You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger. It is Tuesday, the 22nd of March, and we have a hell of an episode lined up. Now, before we even get started, if you have not finished watching the second season of Daredevil, you may want to postpone listening to this episode because we're going to spoil things. And it's going to be a fairly interesting discussion as well because I decided it'd be fun to bring Joe in, who is our co-host on our gaming podcast for the lore, because he expressed some fairly personal opinions and, and whatnot regarding one of the central characters for this second season. And I thought it'd be fun to get him in. So, Joe, thanks very much for popping onto the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm always uh, always keen to talk about anything comic book related. And Vince, how are you doing today? That's yeah, all good, but I figure I can take the next half hour off, basically. <laughs> okay. Did you yeah, just not let, just fit- let Joe talk for a while? And you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, are you still I, are you bitter about yesterday? Is that what's going on? No, because I just didn't shut up for like a half an hour. No, <laughs> I'm just saying you you have you that know, was a certain, his nap time. That was certain- his post work <laughs> nap time. <laughs> Listen, you leave nap time out of this. He has nap time after he gets home from work and then podcast and then nap time before bedtime. So that was Hey, perfect. listen, as somebody who enjoys an adult nap time here and then I, I can't really say anything. Okay. Now, going back to what I was saying, and I, I recalled you talking about this once before, but I, I couldn't remember exactly which character it was, but you have very strong feelings about Punisher explain to us how that came to be. So when I was a little kid, uh, my grandfather was basically my male role model. I had, my dad wasn't around. I didn't really have anybody to look up to. And the way that I, he taught me to read my grandfather is he took me to the comic shop and he actually bought me comics of heroes that he enjoyed from back in the seventies and, and so on and so forth. That's how I learned about Nick Fury and the Commandos. That's how I learned about everything. He bought me every single comic that I, I owned from 1985 until he passed away. So pretty hefty chunk there. And he gave me all of his old comics as well. The Punisher was one of those very first comics. And to, to put it in perspective, my grandfather was a military man. He fought in World War II. He was very patriotic and all of his friends were people that were soldiers. And so any character that was any sort of relation to a soldier kind of struck a chord with him. There's also an interesting story regarding my grandfather punching out the mob boss in the Western New York area when <laughs> in the seventies and becoming his, one of his really, really good friends uh, over a dispute over something that was considered quote unquote family issues. So the Punisher kind of struck a chord with my grandfather uh, in a way that I don't think very many people can actually uh, can actually say they identify with. So growing up, when we were reading those comics, he always showed me, here's a character who's been pushed to the edge. Here's a guy who's got nothing left to lose, but he still has a moral compass. He still has an idea that what he's doing is wrong, but it has to be done. And that always stuck with me from the time that we were reading those comics way back when to now. That's why it's an important character to me. It was moral life lessons and reading lessons for my grandfather. See, what's 
what's odd about the conversation that we had on AIM regarding the, the few episodes that you had watched of season two of Daredevil and without hiding it, your disdain of it, was that in listening to you talk about the character and then the the opinions that many have about the character that he's a serial killer <laughs> and how that is something that was completely interwoven into the second season where you have a few people, most notably, obviously, is Paige, who feel that he is doing what needs to be done. But the majority of the people understand he's a serial killer. And so that's exactly it, it mirrors you respecting the character for doing what needs to be done and your 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 grandfather doing the same and everybody else or not everybody but a lot of other people <laughs> saying he's a serial killer <laughs> but i mean he, but here's the thing he is a serial killer but he's a killer of killers right like the thing in the comics and a lot of people tend to forget about this is in the 90s he didn't just kill every street thug not all of them in the 70s he did and in the 70s, he was more close to a homicidal maniac than an antihero because in the 70s, he was created to fight Peter Parker, to fight mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That was his entire purpose. He was meant to be a one-shot throwaway character that people fell in love with. Back in the 90s, when he really got a run going, when he had three different titles going, they actually flushed out his backstory. Drug dealers, he would break their hands. He would drop them off at rehab centers after beating the shit out of them. He would kill people that had done something so heinous that they deserved to die. He wouldn't just kill indiscriminately. And the one thing about him, too, and this is and this is where I take umbrage with the show. And and, and I'll say this right off the bat. The very first time you really get a glimpse of him in the show, he's doing something that the Punisher wouldn't do even in the 70s. And that is put innocent people at harm's way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Shotgun in a hospital is not a Punisher thing. The fact that he endangered all of those people and shot at innocent people is not a Punisher thing. And I feel almost like that scene was added after the fact because then there was that hard cutaway to the roof scene, which was a very Punisher scene. Quiet, out of the way, taking a sniper shot, one shot, one kill, one target, calculated. That is is more the Punisher character, but... And that's what it was. That's what really kind of irritated me. And and my my problems with the actor aside, it has to do with the fact that throughout, at least in my watching of the series, and I did watch all 13 goddamn episodes, he wasn't the Punisher. He was Shane. And that's my problem. They wrote him not like the Punisher. He wasn't tactical. He wasn't smart. He wasn't intelligent enough to keep other people out of harm's way. And that's a problem because that was one of the core things of that character. Yes, he did unspeakable, horrible things, but he wasn't Wilson Fisk. He didn't blow up a car full of people to get to one person. Yeah, but to play devil's advocate, no pun intended, the, <laughs> uh, we've seen, seriously, <laughs> the, um, the TV series as well as the movies as well take a lot of creative licenses sure. with all of the characters. There's- so how is it that, you know, like this one here, you got to go into it with the same attitude that this is not going to be the Punisher from the comics. It's going to be some yeah, but creation. I'm not saying it's right. Is, I'm just saying. 
my counterpoint to that is Marvel has done a wonderful job, regardless of whether or not people agree with the vast majority of their universe, with getting the core central concepts of a character correct. When they're writing those characters, Daredevil, the core concepts are there. Spider-Man, even though there's been some horrible movies, the core concepts have actually been there. Uh, Avengers, the core char- the core concepts for each of those characters are there, and they kind of have those liberties wrapped around that core concept. Those characters are still the characters. This is the first time, actually two times in this in this show, that they fundamentally change the core essence of a character. And I don't just mean like they change their purpose or their background story, whatever. That can that can alter a million times. But the core identity of the character is altered and that it it rankles me just a little bit. Like I can accept, you know, you want to take your liberties, you want to make it better for movies, you want to make it better for TV, you want to add more depth or you want to change certain things. That's great. But at the end of the day, Peter Parker is still Peter Parker. At the end of the day, Captain America is still Steve Rogers. You know, it's these characters still have a sense of identity that carries throughout all of the media. Here is one of those moments where they broke that, and it looks like it's a completely different core concept for the character. It's funny you bring up Steve Rogers because while you were talking earlier, I was going to interrupt and say Steve Rogers would disagree with you on that whole serial killer thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you look at how a lot of the characters have been portrayed in the Daredevil series, and it's definitely a much – you know, darker take on them. Like, look at Matt himself. I mean, there was a lot of people that had issues in the first season with the torture scenes. And like, even myself, that's that one episode where you had the guy tied up on the roof was really uncomfortable because that's, that's not daredevil. And and so I think there've been a few characterization issues that they found their way to the end eventually. So I don't know, maybe yeah, John Barenthal's Punisher isn't completely irredeemable at this point, though. But I mean, to say that they've always had the characters completely right, right out of the shoot is not quite accurate. Well, well I don't know about that. I would disagree because even in Daredevil, like in the comics in the early years, he was still figuring out what to do. He beat a lot of people damn near to death in those original comics. There's a difference between beating a guy a little too hard and jabbing sharp objects into eye sockets when the guy's tied up <laughs> like that. It was just it. It was a really bad scene. I would agree with that, that it was a bad scene. But even then, like, you can argue that one bad scene doesn't unmake the true character. But you can go right back to the Punisher. And one if you remove that scene in the hospital and just leave everything else as is, you get a lot more of the comic book Punisher than Mm -hmm. otherwise. Not perfect. I'm not saying it is. But... The I think the biggest problem is with that stupid hospital scene. It sets the tone, though. And then you look at the other things that happen with him. He's he gets ambushed way too easily. He yeah, but he's, he's not the hero of the the, the season. I, under, he's, he's I understand the that he's not the hero of the scenes. But the point the, the point is, like, as a character, he gets beat up way too fucking much for somebody who's supposed to be a tactical fucking genius. Um, he's a little too on the, hard on the, the gun nut, too, as well. Oh, yeah, I'll give you that. But also on the same shoot, I don't think he should be standing quite as toe-to-toe with Daredevil as the show presented. Like, See, no, no, that, as, as tactical yes. and as badass as he is, he's still a normal person, and Daredevil has superpowers. Daredevil's superpowers did not extend over to his agility, though. That was that; Those were different. He was that, trained that, by ninjas, damn it. Well, but, and but so that, was that, Frank also, Castle. 
a point at no the, the, frank the castle was not trained frank, by ninjas frank, frank castle went and got training to become a master martial artist if you want to go back to the comics you really want to go that way because he did that was one of his things. Joe just cracked open his Marvel yep. Bible. I totally, I, I have it right here. No, but seriously, in the comics, he he was able to stand toe to toe with pretty much anybody that didn't have super strength or super agility. And even then, he created arenas where he could deal with them. Whether it was you know the Spider Man trying to get him to overload his danger, his spider sense, and stuff like that, he found ways around that. But with characters like Daredevil, even Iron Fist, uh, and, and Elektra, and Bullseye, and anybody else who was, quote-unquote, a martial arts master in the Marvel Universe, if they were just human or, or really close to human, he was able to mostly keep up with them. So that is actually fairly accurate to the comics, and I will defend that point. <laughs> uh, <when> it, especially, <laughs> But it also with the show, we see Daredevil is not as gifted in his powers as he is demonstrated in the comics so it, it it's something that extends to the whole show where character still gets his ass kicked a little too much less so in this season than in the first one but it, it it's something that they've they're kind of underserving that one character as well see the way i looked at it is that they they changed castle enough in in for this that he is far more a soldier and a lot less of anything else it's basically just that soldier mentality and 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 so the impression i got during the fight scenes is they tried to choreograph it in such a way that it was very much look like a soldier fighting and not like you're saying trained ninja which i call bullshit on that you can call bullshit on all you want but i mean and, and i will i will concede that point that i think that they were trying to make that a little more prevalent that he was more soldier less ninja mostly because they had to make room for other ninjas and not everybody can be a ninja even though i mean we we're talking about the 90s everybody marvel everybody a was a fucking ninja yes. the, uh, the other thing too is and and again just to play devil's advocate here when you're looking at what they did to the character how much of that and i'm not saying it's right or wrong but how much of that had to be done because you are presenting a serial killer as a anti-hero on television. I mean, this is like no less in 2016. I'll go ahead and say how popular was Dexter. I know. I know. But this is Marvel and this is Disney's Marvel. And given recent world events there there's there's a certain like you could say what you want about him that he only kills bad people but the fact remains he is a serial killer you're absolutely right. so i would i would argue that you would want to portray him more as a calculated cold serial killer that has a single target versus somebody who potentially would cause mass damage Again, that's going back to that one scene in the hospital. What other scene did you feel that that didn't take place? It's not particularly one scene. It's just that it's going to sound really goofy and and you're going to make fun of me and I know you're going to make fun of me and that's fine. But it's like just like his choice of weaponry that he carries with him is not always conducive to like – it's always like he's he's going for these big open warfare moments and they're really like you said they're playing up that soldier bit but they swung a little too hard that way he's way too big boomstick and in the like in the comics yeah he'd have his big guns and stuff like that but if he was taking on a handful of people he'd switch to 22 he'd switch to a pistol he'd switch to something that wasn't going to puncture through four fucking walls and kill like eight people yeah but they even made him bring that up when he's talking to page at one point I mean, yeah, they have scenes where he's got big guns, but that's for the show, obviously, just so that it, quote unquote, looks cool. But in terms of 
of what the character is and how they try to round off the serial killer aspect of him kind of thing. They push that too hard as my, I think that's my problem, right? Is, is you're talking about in today's political climate and the fact that this is Disney's Marvel, you look at this character and it almost was like they were trying really, really, really hard to make you hate this character. Even the human moment. Because I got the impression, the complete opposite from it. Really? Because it seemed to me like they were giving him every excuse to just leave a body count wherever he went. Like the pawn shop? <laughs> that's the Let's, Punisher. No, that's not always the Punisher. <laughs> okay, but that is a very large part of the Punisher. Let's I will be agree honest. that it is. But I mean, they, they threw stuff in like, okay, the pawn shop scene is a great example of just something thrown in for the for, for no reason. He goes in, he gets a bunch of stuff. He gets the police scanner. He gets a bunch of stuff from the, the pawn shop guy. Okay, that's something that has happened many times in the comics. He's gone into the pawn shops to get electronics and stuff like that because there's no paper trails. Okay, I can buy that. Then the guy offers him kitty porn. That's nothing but an excuse to, one, insert a topic that's going to make people immediately disgusted. And then, two, give him another body to somebody he's going to kill. And I will and counteract that just by saying, not that I think the scene was belonged in there either but just to say i think that goes against your point because what that does is that endears him to us because here's it, a guy it shows that, he's not just after the mob killers that he he does have sure. senses of righteousness yeah. beyond the people that were involved in his family's death this is a horrific human being sure. he's going to take care of it and by making it something as horrific as child pornography you're like yeah, I'm all right with him taking him out. So it's immediately, almost immediately, making him more endearing to you. So you, it's the Dexter thing again of you like the serial killer because he's taking out people that you really don't like either. And, and that's fair, and I'll concede that point. And I may have misspoke a little bit, but yeah, no, I, I, I was going to say that that scene does make you feel better towards him. And there are those little moments of humanity that you see here and there. But even then, I just... I feel like it's just, I don't want to say not enough. And I, and it, it, I, was, and I think, it was, I get it. I mean, it was an imperfect adaptation of a character you're very But what did you think about. of it? Vince, what did you think I, of it? I mean, you, we've talked about the Punisher in the past. I have no real attachment to him as a character. Like, I'm not overall a big fan. Like, I like it when he shows up in other comics just because, you know, it's usually a cool interaction, especially, you know, Daredevil or Spider-Man. Like, those team-ups are always pretty fun. So, I overall, I enjoyed it. Like, I actually liked John Barenthal's portrayal of the character. Uh, I mean, look at what we've seen from Punisher in the past. <laughs> He's He wasn't as, like, horror movie <laughs> Punisher as, like, the Ray Stevenson version. But, you know, he also was a little more like it, it was kind of an adaptation, like a, an amalgamation of like a lot of the previous versions of them. So like I enjoyed it and it, he, the Punisher was definitely the better half of this season in my eyes. So see, it's funny because we talked about this because of when they cast him in the role and it was like, Oh God. And Joe, you mentioned he's just Shane. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that I think I, I, I don't want to, you know, Put words in your mouth, but I think you feel more so that way because it would have been very, very hard to please you with that character. It, 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 you know what I mean? And that's why you hold it against him because I hate this actor. Okay. I really dislike him and I hated the character of Shane and I hated his portrayal of it like really, really a lot. So, but now looking back, we can see that it was more of a systemic problem with The Walking Dead as well. That's a whole. right. Sure. Because I'm watching this and I'm going, 
he's actually not bad. And the further it got along, the more I was like, he's actually doing a pretty damn good job with this character. And, and again, I want, <laughs> I actually wanted to hate him in this. <laughs> I did not go into this with an open mind. <laughs> I wanted to hate him. And it was like, no, it was not, it's not bad. It was actually pretty good as yep. opposed to Electra. <laughs> I will I will admit and I will say this. I even said this when I was ranting about it on Twitter and, and social media. I understand that I'm a little too close to the character and I'm going to be far more critical of it than most people. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Electra then. Vince, what did you think of their take on Electra? I I don't think they really had any idea what they're doing with the entire hand and everything that's going on there. It feels very cobbled together. Like and I'm I have such a, a, a differing opinion on Electra because I thought Elodie Young was fantastic. She mm-hmm. had so much chemistry with Charlie Cox. Like the scenes between Matt and Electra, I loved. The scenes between Daredevil and Electra just never worked for me. I didn't like the entire way that they handled all of that. I mean, th- that entire story arc, which is the majority of of the entire season, I thought was so poorly handled. And it's not that I'm a massive Elektra fan in terms of the comic books. I care about Punisher a hell of a lot more than I do Elektra. Yeah, like, I mean, I've read some of the Elektras, especially the new stuff, and some of it was all right, but it was nothing spectacular, nothing good enough for me personally to want to continue reading it. And in terms of the history, I know what I've read in, in certain issues of be a daredevil or, or whatever, but eh, whatever. But I know enough to know that this didn't work. And mm-hmm. I didn't like the way that it was handled again with, with the hand. I keep wanting to say the foot, <laughs> which is <laughs> done a lot that better. Myself. That is a perfectly reasonable response considering that they were made to be a joke version of yeah. the hand. But the, um, the, the, the entire way that, that was handled was one cliche trope after another. And the entire thing with her being, what is it? The black sun or whatever the they black were calling sky. it. Sky. Black sky. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh. oh my God, there was, there were too many things that I, I kept wanting to look at my wife and not because she might not be following us going along, but rather just because she didn't read the comics and things like that, that she'd be eh, whatever. But every time I'd look to ask, are you following this? Do you care? She was playing her bejeweled game. <laughs> So she kind of zoned out there for some of it. She didn't miss much. Yeah, I I really, really did not like how they handled it. And but I wasn't a fan of how they handled Murdoch's upbringing with Stick in the first season. Yeah, that was a little forced. So then getting a lot more of that in this one with Jack. Hilarious because Stick himself is a great character. I love him. But every storyline he's involved in is a disaster yeah it it was very much um again the scenes felt forced when you're getting the three of them together as well Mm -hmm. and then her in one breath wanting to kill him in the next breath saving him and then arguing about who's better for not killing the other and 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 how it's all because of matt you're going like give me a break so there were far too many elements of that entire story arc that i just completely dismissed 
my problem is they tried to cram like mm-hmm. 10 years of comic into a 13 episode span. It wasn't even 13. It was like what? Eight episodes really of their story arc. Yeah, she, she didn't thing. even show up until episode five. Yeah. So, I mean, but they tried to cram 10 years of Electra essentially into that entire interaction and it felt really forced and they hit all the key moments and I'm, and and I'll say that they hit a bunch of the the highlights and the important bits but there was no pacing it was just all crammed in there well it's not just that it was crammed in but also how from how one moment to the well. one yeah one moment to the next it's like you got different writers working on it because yeah. he starts off with that's it there is no affection here i want you out of my life and it's acted in a way that it's believable at no point early on do you feel there's a spark still there at all and then all of a sudden it's like yeah we binge watch it so it's not like it's spread over months but still like a few episodes later it's like willing to die for her and and do everything for her and run away with her and you're going like what the hell like it yeah, like the the character development itself wasn't bad. Just the fact that it occurred over you know a week of yeah. actual time. Like I can see them, you know, realizing that they still had feelings for each other and, and all that, but not in the small amount of time that the story played out over. Yeah, and, and for me, it was one of those things where, and I absolutely agree with that that sentiment because that was one of the cool things of watching those two interact in the comics is that when she figured out that he was daredevil and they started fighting side by side, there was that whole thing where I hate you, but now I'm starting to like you again. Why are you making me do things that I don't want to do type thing? And like there was this whole question of morality between the two of them uh, that played off each other for years. And again, over the course of a week, it's just, it's way too much. And I don't know if just as a whole, and this is just something I'll say about the series or the season. It felt like a season that didn't know what it wanted to be. And I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, it's it like perfect sense. It just it felt like they didn't know what the hell they wanted to do with it. Almost like and like you said, almost like there was different writers throwing different things. And I just I don't know. Well, like I, I found mean, this you look one at really it, hard to get into. Matt Murdock was the least important character in this season. Mm-hmm. I mean Frank Castle was very important. Electra was very important. I mean, hell, Foggy and Karen got more to do this season well, than Karen Matt did, got really. more than Matt. Without a doubt, I would oh, say yeah. that she heard and to their credit, they were great this season uh, i think they pushed the karen's character way too far it's it's again it's one of those comic book things where in someone's all of a sudden great at doing a specific type of job and I'm, in this case I'm, an yeah. investigator reporter. i'm kind of willing to forgive it though because it's their way of making up for the huge screw up of killing off ben urich in season one yeah but she's a little too good at it but not smart enough not to you know look like <laughs> when she's going up against the general at the end and you're going like which was another terrible terrible freaking stupid like, trope yet again and yet completely obvious because you don't cast clancy brown as somebody if they're That's not going to turn guy. out to be evil yeah yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> what did you guys think about fisk's little portrayal in this too i was kind of okay with that not it, I was less angry about it than I was the other stuff. It it fit his character that it, the fact that he was scheming enough and he was pulling strings and trying to force people's hands from even in the prison. That's a Wilson Fisk thing. I'm I'm OK with that part of it. Yeah, I actually really liked Kingpin this season because, you know, he was it, it was a, it was a very small but very potent dose instead of, you know, all the whininess from the first season. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, the I was a little disappointed that actually 
they made Foggy shine in certain scenes, Mm -hmm. but there was so little of him this season. And if season one taught us anything, he's he and his relationship with Matt are some of the most important and best scenes you can get out of a season. Yeah, and then there was that weird thing where uh, I forgot what episode it was. It was the one where Matt didn't show up for court, and Foggy delivers the delivers the opening statement or delivers the opening statement, and he did a fa- the, a fantastic job. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. And then he comes off that emotional high and immediately swings hard against Matt and berates him. It's like it was such a huge pendulum swing that I think it kind of jarred me a little bit too. I don't know if that. <sighs> But like I do, I love the interactions between them. And in the first season, it was to me the highlight was just seeing those two go off of each other and, and figure out what was going on and and stuff like that. Here, it just I wanted more of that and less of the other crap. Vince, that I don't I don't disagree. Like, he was one of the highlights of season one, and it's just what we look at. They tried to do too much this season, and the good stuff got buried under the what the hell is happening here. Yeah. Okay, so any parting thoughts on the seasons, Joe? I wish they would have spread it out longer, figured out what they were doing before shooting it, because they had a lot of great potential that I think was squandered. Vince? Yeah, like they did a great job with like the fight choreography was fantastic this season, but there was also some really weird editing stuff, like some scenes that just didn't make sense, like stuff that was clearly out of order. Like there was there was some weird stuff. Oh, and the weird lighting too. Like there was some weird lighting changes too. Yeah, and, and it's especially when you're devel- delivering the series over online medium, like there's there has to be a limit to how dark you can make things because it was like just murky at points because you're not going to get that crisp clearness as if if it's coming through other sources if you don't have a great connection. But <laughs> the best thing, <laughs> and this is like a ironic best, <laughs> is that Daredevil now no longer has the worst costume in his own show. <laughs> Because that electric costume at the end, first yeah. of all, was straight out of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and it shows that outside of the Punisher, who is one of the easiest characters to design, these people have no idea what they're doing with costumes. I agree. Because initially her little scarf thing over her face was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, like, I, Especially I because it's like, kind of like, like, like a... It like the guy, store. <laughs> but guys, she's a ninja. Come on. But it's so funny when she decides to lift it. Because like everybody's around her and yeah. everybody's seen her. But just before the fight starts, I better pull this up because it'll make it easier to fight. <laughs> they might figure out who I am. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm i in the same boat in terms of I think they tried to do far too much, but the biggest story arc with the hand and with Electra, I think they dropped the ball in, in a huge way. And ironically, I was much more forgiving of the Punisher story mm-hmm. arc. Not to say that I thought it was as good as it should have been, but I was far more forgiving than what I thought I would have been. But then again, it failed on so many other fronts for me, like the 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 lack of foggy, like the suddenly pages Wonder Woman reporter, and like a, a bunch of other little things as well that kind of irked me a little bit. Sticks being another one of them. So I I enjoyed watching it still, but a large part of that is the same way that I can rewatch superhero shows that are crap and still get a kick out of it just because we like that, that job. 
Yeah, like I, I'd say it's definitely, in my opinion, better than Jessica Jones. And oh god, yeah. It, c- trying to compare it to the first season is weird because everything the first season did bad, this one did well. But everything the first season did well, this one kind of fell apart on. So I, I'd kind of have to put them equal at this point. I still think myself the first season was better. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Joe, you feel the same. <laughs> I, I honestly believe the first season was much much better than this one. Okay, let's move on to what we're reading. I'm going to start off with The uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Did you read this one, Vince? What was the latest one that came out? Or did I miss one? He falls from space. Yes, okay, yeah. In nothing but his (laughs) uniform (laughs) and survives. I think we're really stretching things at this point. (laughs) Oh, my God, slot. Seriously. (laughs) Shame yeah. on well, you. If, you. if you didn't know something like that was coming after Superior Spider-Man's run with Slot, I mean, come on. You, you no, this on is this goes above and beyond that. I will Listen, say. Slot has done any number of completely ridiculous things, but falling from space is a step too far. Yeah, that was, yeah. I love, however, when they're going up in the spaceship <laughs> and or the rocket and he's got the playlist going and there's the, oh, the, the song from Guardians, <laughs> the, the hookah chuck up from the Guardians. <laughs> it's gone. Nice, nice little nod there. And I like the, uh, that Anna Maria's got a boyfriend. That's awesome. Oh, that's not going to end well. No, it's not. But I'm going to love watching it happen. <laughs> yes, it was freaking awesome. And, uh, and still, this is one of those where the superhero or villains are like, meh, I really don't care about you guys. So, and, and again, the falling from space. Oh my God. That was beyond idiotic. Uh, latest injustice. Mm-hmm. A good Damien issue. <laughs> yes. This is something I've been looking forward to since the series started is seeing the transition from Robin to Nightwing and Damien. Yeah. Well, Damien not being essentially a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I'd put him in his late teens there kind of thing. I don't think he'd be yet in his yeah, early somewhere 20s, around maybe. there. But yeah, but great interactions with Alfred and Catwoman, both of them important in his life. I like the fight with Harley too. That was funny. <laughs> but no, this was a much better issue than the last one. I, I quite enjoyed this. Yeah. And then the last one, Extraordinary X-Men. You're, you're still not enjoying this quite as much? No, no. I... I I thought this Apocalypse storyline was going to be a crossover. I didn't realize it was going to be contained to this comic. So I was actually really hyped for this issue by the time I finished it. What I love is that they've spent months and months talking about how horrible it is to time travel and the beast is on (laughs) trial kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, well, let's go. We're heading to the future. (laughs) It's like going to the past is bad, but the future is all right. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Don't you ex people ever learn. Oh, damn it. I'm going to have to bleep that out. (laughs) I forgot which podcast we're doing, (laughs) but yeah, I, I I know with Joe here, I almost slipped up a couple of times. Yeah. Sorry. The, uh, but no, this was, this was fun to read. I like that, that Aurora and old man Logan are going to be getting it on in no time. (laughs) <laughs> and the stuff with Doctor Strange at the end was cool too. So yeah, and Ramus is back on art. Yeah, and the, just that last page was makes <laughs> me really like. Oh, what are the horsemen? What are they doing? Where Where are they going with this? I need I need to know more. Give me the next issue, please. Yeah, that was awesome. All right, Vince, what you got? Um, Rat Queens. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I think it deserves a longer discussion on a future episode. 
Yes. Much like Daredevil, I think they tried to cram a little too much into this season, the the storyline, because this last issue went really quick, but... I think Man. they're worried. I think they're I'm starting, it's starting to read like I think they're worried they're not going to be around much longer. I mean, but just like Rat Queens, when the characters are on point and some of the stuff hits, it hits. I actually had not read 14 yet. So I read 14. Now I have to read 15. Mm-hmm. So. And then I had one other. God, what was it? <laughs> oh, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, yeah, I read that too. Still a blast but like i said when we talked about the first issue i'm tired of the fiddle faddle jokes oh dude it oh, was funny God. once it was not even funny once it was not i will argue that and when he was doing it again this one i was going no god but I, I mean just the stuff between the two of them i still absolutely love it i love that character dynamic i love danny trying to get the band back together it's just it's so great yeah anything else no that's it joe what do you got so I've actually been ca- trying to catch up on my backlog because I haven't been really reading a lot lately. So I've been kind of catch up a little bit. And recently I've been reading Spider-Man versus Deadpool. Oh, OK. Yeah. Which has been absolutely hysterical. I mean, I love everything about, first of all, Deadpool trying to hire Spider-Man as a sidekick <laughs> to then trying to hunt Peter Parker to randomly having a double date with Mary Jane and Thor. Because that was that was there. Okay, hold on. Which one are you talking about? No, I, I think that was the the teaser for the next issue was the double date. Yeah, I don't that's, think that's actually that's, that hasn't no, actually happened yet. That is that is coming. That is okay, coming. Yeah. That was the teaser in the the end of three, and the they just released the uh, the cover art for it. And I'm just like, it is literally Mary Jane, Spider Man, Deadpool, and Thor so, sitting yeah. at a table yeah. awkwardly. And I, but I'm sorry, did it again. <laughs> uh, I've also been reading Power Rangers, <laughs> which. Which, Why am I not surprised? Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, it's the stories that everybody kind of knows, but it's really well done. And the artwork is actually very superb. So they're kind of recounting the whole Green Ranger story arc where he goes over to the good guys and is fighting the whole being bad thing. He's got Rita talking in his ear, but they're going a little bit deeper. So it's it's actually adding, like, an, a plot and storyline to how dare they yeah i know but it's it's really it's really well done and it was i picked it up on a on a humbug and i read the the zero issue and then i was like oh my god i have to keep reading this and then i just I keep going uh but it's it's actually worthwhile even if you're tangentially related or tangentially interested in power rangers of any type or just really like giant mecha it's worth reading i think i would challenge that statement but i haven't read it <laughs> Uh, and that's honestly what I've been reading the most of. I've been reading uh, a couple things here and there. Like I'm still p- staying up on Spider Gwen uh, with her new series, and which is still uh, meh. It's it's not as good as it could be, not but it's not as close. bad as it could be either. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as bad as it could be. It can always be worse. <laughs> you mean like Punisher season two? Um, all right, with that, new releases for the week on the Marvel side. We've got all new, all different Avengers number seven, all new Hawkeye number five, Amazing Spider-Man nineteen point one, Angela Queen of Hell number six, Darth Vader sixteen, Obi Wan and Anakin number three, Star Wars seventeen, Ultimates number five, and because you said it was going to be cool, Venom number five as well. On the DC side, we've got Batman and Wonder Woman at their number fifties, as well as Justice League three thousand one number ten. Image has got a new one, Circuit Breaker number one. That sounds cool. One of five. 
And then we've got new series as well, Shadow Glass number one of six from Dark Horse, which also sounds great. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 56, and a new one as well for Assassin's Creed Templars number one from Titan Entertainment. Again, if you like game comics, sometimes these are very cool. Uh, the previous Assassin's Creed ones have been really cool. Yeah. So that is going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening. You can find the show notes, of course, at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter at... It's because Joe's here. It's because Joe's here. I know. Joe's throwing off everything. CB and you can find us individually. Joe is Loaders at J. Vincent Simodian. And, of course, I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. And be sure to check out All Comics Considered this week. Uh, I had a very nice marathon with the guys over there. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Uh, I guessed it on their latest episode, which should be out by the time you guys listen to this. I don't know. Marty's pretty slow releasing episodes. He's he's been on point lately. (laughs) Because he doesn't do the editing anymore. (laughs) He just puts it up. (laughs) Screw you. They're going to make fun of me anyway. (laughs) All right. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you guys later. Joe, thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Sorry for throwing off the mojo. No, no, not at all. It was fun. (laughs) Take care. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.